Hello, it's great to see you again, and welcome back to another installment of Go Beyond Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Ruff. It's great to have you back with us. We've got Mr. Tony Rose of Rose Snyder Jacobs LLC joining us momentarily for today's conversation. But first and foremost, we always want to take a moment. Thank you for finding your way back here to the show. Each episode, we dive into various thought processes and business practices that Tony has utilized in his experiences at the helm of his tax accounting firm. And really, today, I love the conversation that we're going to get into because it's simple yet complex. We're getting into words really today. They're very important, obviously, in the way we look at words, how we internalize them, and then also word choice, how we go about utilizing certain words in certain moments. Uh, I love this conversation today, and, and this is a really pertinent topic for Tony throughout the entirety of his business dealings. So I'm excited to go ahead and welcome Tony on now to get the, uh, get the show rocking and rolling today. Tony, great to see you. How are you doing this morning? I'm great, Ryan. I hope you're doing well as well. I am. I am. And you recently just got back from a golf trip. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, about a month ago, okay. I did. I was up in Oregon playing golf with some friends, and it was wonderful to be out there. All righty. Awesome. Well, hey, we're glad to have you back. I know it might not be as exciting as the green in Oregon, but... Uh, no, it's good to have you here. So let's let's get into the conversation here today. Words, yes, they're very important. This isn't just for everybody, but of course for business owners. So I think throughout the show here, we're going to go through some sequences of words, and then we're going to walk through kind of the the flip side to that coin and why uh, you know you'll see that these two flip sides to these two sets of words might be so different, and then how they're utilized, of course. So the first first real set that we wanted to dive into today, Tony, is this set of words: curiosity inquisitiveness, fascinate. What do those three mean to you in just a personal sense? And then maybe also a business sense as well. Great. And, and, and in fact, let, let's, let's start talking about why I think words are so important. A business operates through the medium of words and concepts. Even if you're selling a pro product, you need to be able to describe that product in ways that your customer can understand its value to them so that they'll purchase it. That's whether it's a object or whether it's a service. So the power of words in business and in your financial life is very, very important. So that's why we're talking today about words. Now let's get into the concept of curiosity. A business person who is not curious is not going to maximize their potential and in fact will leak. We've talked about the ways that other than numbers can create leakiness in a business. A curious business owner is someone who wants to know why conditions are what they are in their business. So to be sure, if you're not curious, you're not finding out where the pathologies are on your business and conversely, where the successes come from. Because when you have success in business, you want to do more of that. And when you have leaking in your business, you want to do less of that. It's just that simple. When you have employees that are not curious, they're going to under maximize their ability to give you value 
as you're a customer of that employee. So you want to be a curious business owner. You want to be a curious employee and you want to have, uh, and, 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 and to be sure you're an employee of your customers, but you also want to have employees that are curious as well. You do not want to have people that just have their head down, never look up, never understand the environment that's around them. So that's the role of curiosity. In my professional life, Ryan, I have always been curious. So I pick up a book, read a magazine article, talk to people, join groups of people that have different disciplines so I can hear how they do what they do and the way they do it and see if it can be applied to how I apply uh, uh, my, my approach to my clients and my accounting firm. Curiosity rules my life. Now, you don't have to be as curious as me, but please think of the term curious. Am I curious when you're going through your life, both work and actually maybe your personal life? So I love, I love to start out. I mean, we're going to cover a lot of great words, but curiosity is a really impactful one to start out with because on the flip side of this word curiosity is this idea of indifference or boredom or, or just becoming complacent with life and things and your business to be. So walk me through then, Tony, what, where the negative aspects lie when somebody slides into indifference or boredom or complacency when analyzing various parts of their life, maybe it is their business. In the last 18 months, all of us could be sliding into this indifference category. Uh, part of the reason I believe for indifference, uh, in fact, Ryan, let me back up a little bit. Sure. I am not a psychologist. I am not a sociologist. I am, a, I am an observer. I'm an observer of my business. I'm an observer of uh, the environment around me. I'm an observer of my friends, of my clients. So I'm not an expert. So the caveat to all these discussions about words is what I found to be true in my life. And you may find if you're watching or listening is true for you. So having said that, let's talk about indifference. When you think about the concept of indifference, I equate it to giving up. If you don't care, there is no action. Indifference is, in a sense, the lack of active thinking, or maybe action, active action, uh, in, in, in whatever situation you're finding yourself. You do not care. People that do not care probably have given up. Now, mm -hmm. you don't have to do something about everything you see, but total indifference is not only giving up, uh, it, it's the absence of commitment. Now, you don't have to be committed to everything, 
But if you're indifferent, you're totally uncommitted. So that's what I think the, the distinction between indifference is and curiosity. Because when you're curious, you're co committed to understanding. You're mm -hmm. committed to learning more. You're committed to growth and progress. Indifference is the state, I think, of nothingness. I love that. The next next way I wanted to kind of transition, the next set of words that is, is, is this idea of, of yeah, okay, so curiosity enters the business owner's mind. It leads them to explore different avenues to, you know, maybe enhance their business, enhance their personal life even. Okay, those avenues, you're going to have to try some things. You're going to have to try them again. You're going to have to try them a third time. You're going to find ways to be successful in your personal life or your, um, or your business life. That being said, that's persistence. That's determination. That's even tenacity in some instances. Walk me through what these mean to you and, and how they play a role within somebody's life and, and really the power behind these three words. And, and I don't recall whether we've discussed this uh, in prior uh, broadcasts, but I think we may have. Mm -hmm. There is a distinct difference between a non-owner and an owner. In my mind, an owner, no matter what the situation believes it will work out somehow. And in order to have it work out somehow, rather than be indifferent, that owner just knows that they're going to be tenacious, persistent, constant, moving towards a different outcome. And we want to be sure to talk about outcomes mm -hmm. later to a different outcome than they have now. Most of my clients knew somehow in March of 2020 that they would survive. Maybe not thrive, but they would work it out no matter what happened with this pandemic. Now, 18 months later, we're still in the midst of the pandemic, but we've adjusted. And many of my clients actually thrived because they were persistent and tenacious in adjusting to the change in condition. Going back to curiosity, in March of 2020, when instead of the 60 people in our office, there was only three people here, even though we were an essential business, I spent my days being curious, reading about COVID, reading about what the government was going to do with laws, reading about quarantine. I knew we would survive somehow. A true business owner is tenacious in their commitment, not indifference, to the state of their business. It doesn't guarantee that they will always be successful. Success is really a, a measurement of how much progress you're making in the continuum of the progress of your business. 
Success doesn't always mean having a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And for many, many, many of our clients during the pandemic, they had a successful year. Some of them might have dis- defined it as surviving. Certainly, if you're in the hospitality business, if you own a restaurant, surviving during the pandemic was very important. If you were a charity and no one had money to give development funds to you to help you progress your charity, surviving may have been successful. Mm -hmm. So you want to be persistent. You want to be tenacious and those are the kinds of characteristics that I think about when you say those words, Ryan. So on the flip side of that, then Tony, you know, the word that comes to my mind is, you know, almost fragility or, or really ineffectiveness, you know, that lack of desire to, to persist through tough times to, to really, you know, trudge through it and find a way. Talk to me about this and how this can just kind of lead you down a, a road that you might not want to follow. I don't know any of you who are listening that knows a fragile business owner or fragile business group. Those people do not last very long. Uh, On the contrary, uh, a, a, a business that is fragile is not a business at all. It breaks so easily, it cannot exist. The only thing that can keep that kind of business is an unlimited source of funds. And that's silly. That's silly. I very seldom in my life have seen a fragile business. Sure. Sure. Uh, If you're looking for, if you're looking for uh, issues, if you're looking to be hurt, if you're looking for lack, the state of lack, I call it, then be fragile, be fragile, but no business can endure that's fragile, Ryan. Sure. Sure. And and Tony in, you know, on the, on the flip side of that fragility that we mentioned was persistence, determination, tenacity. When you look at those three things within a, you know, a business owner's mindset, typically persistence, determination, tenacity will help you do just as you mentioned, it'll help you survive and it will likely help you thrive. When you continue to do those three things, to be tenacious, to be determined, to persist through adversity, typically a few different things pop up for you. And that's confidence, the reassurance that you need, and then courage, courage to take a step into a new beyond, to a new realm of business, to maybe expand your product line, to open a new shop, to, to you know, the courage to take that next step. Walk me through how these two you know, that, that persistence, determination, tenacity, how that does kind of lead its way into that next phase, that, that confidence building phase and what that can do for somebody. Do, do you really think that you're courageous? I, I, I've never felt myself very courageous. I, I know that people have looked at my life and my life experience and thought, oh, he's had the courage to own a business for almost 50 years. And that, that, that takes a lot of uh, heroism and, and courageousness. I, I, I don't consider myself courageous. I worry sometimes that I'm not. Having said that, when you are confident, 
when you are persistent as a business owner. You may not be aware of it, but you are courageous. You are a hero. You are helping not only your family, but you're helping other people's families who are your employees live in this world. It's a very courageous act to be a business owner. No matter what happens, a business owner that is persistent and tenacious is a hero, even if they do not uh, believe themselves to be that. What are the characteristics of a hero? I think one thing that we talk about when we talk about human capital is values. Whether you've enunciated your values of in your business, a hero courageous business owner is one that honors those values. You may not have read the book that I wrote, Five Eyes on the Fence, which is being rewritten, going to be called Go Beyond Numbers, where we talk about the importance of identifying the core values of your business. Even if you haven't written them down, you've got them. And honoring those values is a very courageous act especially when you're aware of what those values are and you understand when situations come in conflict with those values. So doing the right thing is very courageous, is very heroic. That's what I, I think about. Mm -hmm. uh, when I think about courageousness and heroism. So flipping the coin then to the other side, you know, the word that I feel like comes to mind here is, is apprehensiveness that, that you're lacking that confidence, that courage to take that step, to move forward, to achieve that goal. Um, and maybe that goal isn't even defined. If you're that apprehensive, you just have this vague idea of what that goal might be. And we're going to get into goals and outcomes down the road here in this conversation today, because that's, that's really the big one that we want to hit on. But walk me through your thoughts on, on this, on the idea of apprehensiveness and what the flip side of this coin looks like apprehensiveness and fear. I'd like to add to this. Think about it this way. Someone in any situation where there is perceived danger, if they're not somewhat apprehensive or fearful, they probably are foolish. So I don't think apprehension or fear uh, is a bad thing. Remember the fear or flight, the, the fear and flight syndrome in a human being, as I've had it explained to me, is what keeps your instincts alive and uh, uh, in, in a condition where you're aware of danger coming at you. Uh, it, there is nothing brave about running towards a speeding train. If you're running towards a speeding train, you better be apprehensive and understand when it's time to jump left or right. We've just uh, gone through the 20 year anniversary of 2001, September 11th. And I was hearing some commentator 
talk about a woman who was on one of the floors facing a choice of being burned to death with 2,500 degree heat or jumping out of the window. I'm sure that woman was incredibly apprehensive. She had a right to be. She had to make a choice. The problem with fear and apprehension is when that fear and apprehension freezes you into inactivity because the inactivity itself is a choice. The inactivity itself is a choice. Every business owner has choices. Now I suggest in my writing that the choices you make should be consistent with your positive values, with what you believe is good for your business and is good for your customers. Bending to your apprehension or fear in contravention of the best interests of your business and your customers is a bad choice, but it is a choice nonetheless. So if, and I'm thinking of a particular client that has an incredible time making a decision, will not make a move. The problem with that is when you don't make moves, that is a move. Sure. The lack of progress is a move towards failure. And if you're afraid of being a failure, the lack of moves, the lack of action is a confirmation of your failureness. So I'm, I'm going to encourage everyone, you want to be scared, be scared. You should always be scared of things that are scary. You want to be apprehensive whether the choices you make are correct. That happens all the time. And once you've made those decisions soon enough, you know whether they're correct or wrong. But in my experience, lack of decisions, lack of action is almost always worse than an action or a decision that turns out to be wrong. Because most of the time, those decisions can be adjusted in the next iteration. Sure. And, and Tony, the positive characteristics or the positive words really that we were mentioning just prior was, was confidence, assurance, and that courage to take that next step. So when those come into play, Typically, you've got a successful endeavor on your hands, whether that be a business, whether that be your personal life. So then naturally, where does our mind go when we have something that we love? What do we want to do? We want to protect it. We want to defend it. So the next batch of words really that I'll throw your way is this idea of defense, protection, security. Where do these fall in the realm of being a business owner, uh, you know, carrying your life? And, and how important are these three characteristics really to incorporate into your life? One of the things that I suggest, Ryan, in, in my book is that paying attention to the things that a business owns or an individual owns that are that, that are not money, that are other things, uh, their humanness, their intellect, uh, 
their relationships and their processes. Um, is the uh, prescription for success. Um, the, the lack of paying attention to these capitals, Ryan, is what creates leakage, what creates ultimate failure, ultimate sure. disappointment, lack of progress. Um, paying attention to this stuff is maybe the most important thing when you're running a business. Mm -hmm. Paying attention to the stuff with the people around you is also very important in building relationships and building strength. Um, so, you know, I, I, maybe I'm digressing here, Ryan, but, but uh, trying to be defensive through apprehension, lack of decision, lack of action, actually gets you no place. Mm -hmm. Actually gets you no place. So, and, so, and, sorry, and, go ahead, and so playing, playing defense almost never wins game. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think playing defense prevents you from winning. So in that case, though, I mean, my, my next question would be on the flip side of that. So if you're not defensive, though, doesn't the, the, the opportunity for vulnerability creep into play? How, how, would, how should somebody go about making sure that they're, you know, avoiding that level of vulnerability, avoiding confrontation that could lead them down a road they don't want to go if, if defense is, is not necessarily the only way to go about it? I worry sometimes that too many people are worrying about losing instead of worrying about trying to promote winning. Mm. Uh, winning, winning, winning is not about protecting yourself from failure. It's about the understanding of the elements that could prevent success. So you do want to protect yourself as a business. You want to protect yourself against events that you can't predict will happen to you. Sometimes you can protect yourself from stuff that you can predict will. You buy insurance. Mm -hmm. You keep records. You document transactions. You um, get patents and copyrights. You do things to create, I think about, you don't run into a fire without wearing asbestos suits sure. to protect yourself from the heat. Um, but sometimes you got to run through the flame in order to get to the other side. And mm -hmm. so I, I think that, I think that you use protection and security as a feature, as a coat of armor to let you go into the fight mm -hmm. because owning a business is a fight. It, hopefully it's a pleasurable fight. Sure. Hopefully it's a rewarding fight, but it's fight. Mm -hmm. 
I love that analogy. And let's let's talk about that fight, the offense, the aggression, the you know taking things to the front of the line. Walk me through how important this really is because we talked about the persistence, right? The determination, the tenacity it takes to even get yourself mentally into the fight. Then the confidence that you need to succeed in the fight. Now let's talk about the fight, the offense, the aggression. You know that that moving to the front of the line. How important is this in carrying not only your personal life forward, but of course your business as well? I think another word that goes goes into this is assertiveness. Mm. Now, there's a difference between playing offense in your business and being offensive. And I have known businesses and clients in my life where they are offensive. Maybe they have something of value, but they don't respect the people they're dealing with, their social relationships, uh, the, 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 the concepts of fairness and value, where they're always looking for their own advantage. That's offensive. That's being pushy. That's being in effect, narcissistic. So you don't have to be offensive, but you can play offense. Dan Sullivan has this concept about, are you a buyer or a seller? And, and it's roughly akin to this. If I know the conditions that I need to have in order for me to make a sale that will be satisfactory and rewarding to my business and consistent with my values, then if the customer does not want to comply with those values, then that's okay because I am a buyer. I'm a buyer of that customer. Now, I'm not a buyer in the sense that I have something that someone else uh, or the the customer has something that I want to acquire um, and, and I have to pay whatever price that customer exacts from me. There are conditions in which our firm will not take a client. There are conditions in which we have an existing client and we ask that client not to use us anymore. Because increasingly we are becoming a buyer of our customer's patronage. If you're a seller and you need to have a sale under any, under any circumstance, then what happens is that you end up lowering your standards. You end up violating your values. And then you end up not feeling as good about that transaction. And you're thankful just to get the money. I need mm -hmm. the money. Well, ultimately, that happens sometimes, but that's no way to live for a long time. Are you a buyer or a seller? If a customer comes to me and says, I need one, two, three, and four. And I say, oh, I can only do one or two. It's okay for that buyer to say, well, you're not the right accountant for me. Mm -hmm. Conversely, if I say to the 
buyer. Um, I need you to get me this information in this time. And then I need you to pay me in this way. And that buyer consistently violates that agreement. Then I should be willing to let that customer go because it's not the right fit. The important thing in business is to find the right customer for your product. And hopefully you have the right product for the customer who buys it. That's my thesis. Sure, sure. So on the flip side then of that, what do you say to then a missed opportunity? If you're not, if you're not looking to be a buyer or a seller, you know, what is, what is your, your take on this idea of a missed opportunity and what, what befalls upon somebody when they do miss an opportunity? Wow, wow, wow. So that's missed opportunities, missed opportunities. We all have them and they're so, I know, I mean, they, they, they kick you in the butt, but it's, it's one of those things that they help you learn, but you know, it's one of those things. It's the live and you learn expression, but sometimes that's it. That can be humbling to go about that process. So what, what's your take on this idea of missed opportunities? Boy, uh, I, I, th- there's this new series that's going to come in the fall lineup on network television called ordinary Joe. And the idea is what, what would happen if things were different? I think about missed opportunities as an opportunity. Hmm. We have plenty of missed opportunities. Are we dwelling on what has happened or we, are we dwelling on what could happen in the future? And a missed opportunity is an opportunity to learn, to understand what were the conditions uh, when I made a decision that that looked like a missed opportunity to me. Have I learned something from it? So no, no real missed opportunity that you learn from is a missed opportunity. It's actually an opportunity. So think about that. In fact, this is incredibly important. Now, regret about a missed opportunity is natural. And I'm not telling you not to regret lost opportunity, but understand that that can only happen for a minute. And then you want to look at what the learning is and what you could do differently and see if you recognize the conditions that may happen that are similar and understand how you might make a different decision the next time an opportunity that's similar comes along. Makes sense to you, Ryan? Absolutely. No, I love that. It really is an opportunity to learn something from the missed opportunity, from what what you didn't capitalize on, really. So I'll tell you what, Tony, I don't know about you, but when I when those moments happen to me in life, you know, I take a step back, I look at all the factors that had, that had gone into that missed opportunity, and I try and find the outlier. Where Where along that line did I make the wrong decision that led me towards that missed opportunity. And you better believe that if faced with it again, I'm going to know what to, how to handle it really. So in that same process, I I was going to say about, um, I, I don't think most people are that intentional about missed opportunities. Sure. Um, uh, I think people do spend too much time 
worrying about what they're not and what was missed than what they are and what their potential might be. And, 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 and uh, again, another Dan Sullivan com comment is, is the gap, uh, being in the gap, mm -hmm. worrying about not being far enough and not appreciating how far you've come. Sure. Now, one thing I want to ask you as we kind of bring our conversation here to, uh, you know, a helm here, we have this idea of goals, right? We want to make, we want to set goals and we want to achieve those goals so that we live that fruitful life. We achieve those things that we want to have in our lives. Well, those goals, you know, there's the idea of outcomes, those outcomes that we want to see happen in our life. Now, this is a really big topic for you, and I, and I know you've been chopping at the bit here to jump into it. So walk me through this idea of goals versus outcomes. There are two very yeah. similar words that have, you know, vastly different ideals behind them. So let, let me get your two cents on goals versus outcomes here. So my friend, uh, Michael Burnoff, presented this concept to me many years ago now, and, and, and it makes so much sense. And, and the, his point was that goals is a tyranny sort of word, but everyone uses goals. It's pop culture. Sure. But the use of the term goals can get you in a circle of failure, actually, where using the term outcomes has psychologically a much different impact. And let me tell you why. A goal is an expectation of the future. A goal is an expectation of the future. It's something that has not happened. So when you are goal oriented, you are hoping or working towards something that has not been realized. The implication of this is that if you don't reach your goal, you have failed. We just talked about regret. We talked about uh, uh, not getting to where you want to go. Mm -hmm. Well, if where you want to go is a goal many people do get to their goals but mentally you're a, you're no place if you're goal oriented you're just always working towards something sure the term outcome has a different connotation an outcome is something that has happened a goal is a place you're not yet. An outcome is something that has happened. And Michael Burnoff points out that in your mind, when you're outcome oriented, you have a confidence, another word that we talked about, that you're going and are at a place just that the future hasn't happened yet but you're at that place to be sure. Mm -hmm. So here's the difference. When I say I have a goal, I'm going from step A 
to be. That's a goal. I want to get to B. That's a lot different than I'm at point B. Now, how do I go from A to B? So it is what steps would you have to make to be at point B from where you are now in point A? He likens it to being a man with an object. Let's say, here's here's my reading glasses. And, and if I want to be the man wearing the glasses and my glasses are across the room, what are the steps I need to take to be the man with the glasses? And the prescription for being the man with the glasses is to take step number one towards that object. If the glasses are across the room at the table, stepping backwards is not a step towards being the man with the glasses. I have to take one step forward. We can talk about the concept in a later podcast of, of uh, uh, tacking of zigzagging your way towards an outcome. Mm -hmm. But right now, there's a big distinction between outcome-oriented, being the man with glasses, or being goal-oriented. Being goal-oriented is a wish. Mm -hmm. Being outcome-oriented, in my mind, is a purpose. It is a purpose, to be sure. So I find that to be a huge distinction. And so I pretty much have abandoned the use of the term goal. Sure. And I institute the term outcomes. And every day, every day, I write down in what I call a mindfulness worksheet, the outcomes that I expect for the day. And I do it every hour. I, I put the outcomes I expect by the hour. Now, it never actually happens that those outcomes happen at a particular hour. But more often than not, I get 80% of the outcomes I expect to have when I'm thoughtful at the beginning of the day about the outcomes I expect. So I break them down uh, daily, almost always. I also have annual goals. Mm-hmm that I'm not necessarily conscious of. As I'm walking towards those goals, I could be more conscious about that. I could do better with it. But I think in terms of outcomes. I want to be the man with the glasses. I love it. I love it. Tony, when when you're going through this process and you're thinking about the power of words and just how each, you know, these different characteristics have such big, you know, impactful meanings to you, of the ones that we got or we went through today, or even outside of that, you know, the list that we had gone through today, is there anything else that comes to your mind? Anything you want to share with our audience about the power of words before we wrap up? I think everyone's going to have a different set of words that have particular power to them. I believe the word outcome. I believe the word persistence. And I believe the word curiosity are the three most meaningful words that we've discussed today. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about these things today, 
with you, Ryan. Those are the three words for me. For other people, it might be truth. It might be honesty. It might be spiritualness. There's a lot of other really positive, uh, empowering words that might be significant to you. Sitting down and considering what words are most meaningful to you uh, is, is a useful time to spend. So I would encourage everyone, and you, Ryan, figure out what your words are. I'd love to hear them. Sure. I got to put some pen to paper here soon. I'll give you my list soon. <laughs> well, no, look, Tony, I really appreciate today's conversation. I was, I was thrilled when you did shoot this idea over to me because yes, words do have power. They're not just things that we use in passing or ways to shape and frame the way we go about our day-to-day -day lives. They have meaning. They, there's true authenticity to these words and it's important to internalize them. So I also love the point you just made. Everybody does have their own sets of words that truly have power to them. So this is a good exercise for anybody listening, watching, make your list. I'm going to make mine after we do this. And, and Tony, I know you have yours that we've discussed here today. So really appreciate your time, you know, chatting with me on the show here. And I'm, and, hey, look, I'm, and, and Ryan, maybe it would be interesting uh, if we could put on the screen a, a site where people could just report their words. It would be kind of interesting to see who might pick what words I think that would be interested. Yeah, why not? Let's have let's have any of our audience, you know, that's watching or listening out there, head on over to the Go Beyond Numbers Facebook page. Let us know what your words are. We'd love to dive into a future conversation. Tony and I could jump on here, talk through the meanings of these words, you know, maybe go through a future list of mine. I love that idea, Tony. So if you are watching, you are listening, again, head on over to the Go Beyond Numbers Facebook page. Let us know your words, whether it's through a message or if you want to just post on the page itself, feel free to do so. And, uh, you know, we'd love to hear from you guys. So. Uh, great idea, Tony. I'd love to cover. Yeah, we'd love to cover that in the future. So, well, anyway, Tony, look, I really appreciate your time here today. And and uh, look, I'm already looking forward to the next episode and the next topic. And hopefully, hopefully we'll have some uh, some viewer words to check on when the time comes. Great. And look, we want to take one more moment here to thank you, our audience, of course, for tuning in to the episode today. As always, if you liked what you saw, you liked what you heard, please take a moment, like the content, feel free to subscribe to it on whatever platform you're checking us out on today. And of course, share this information with friends and family. I mean, Tony and I are diving into his year's worth of experience in business, you know, tapping into like today, the power of words, you know, last, last episode was the trusted advisor formula. These are episodes that are meant to provide you with real value, ways to approach your business, your personal life, to make calculated uh, and really effective decisions throughout your, the, you know, the various facets of your life. So please don't miss out. We'd love to have you with us for our next episode. So for Mr. Tony Rose, I'm Ryan Ruff saying so long, and we thank you so much for joining us on today's edition of Go Beyond Numbers.